Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Freedom House. It is great to be here with you today. My name is Olin Carter, and I get to serve here on our teaching team. And if you are new to Freedom House, something very unique about um, our church and the vision that our pastors have is that we are one church with many locations, and we like to have a live communicator at each and every campus that we have all around the city. Pastor Penny today is at our South End campus. Pastor Michael's preaching at our Lake Norman campus. So we want to have a live communicator bringing you a fresh word of God each and every weekend at each and every campus. And I think that's amazing. So let's give some honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, for that vision. And I just want to say, you, you saw just a moment ago a little preview of Pastor Troy's book coming out, The Panic Room. So if you have not already, check out RT with PT, Real Talk with Pastor Troy, this past Friday. We did an interview with him talking about the book. You can go to TroyMaxwell.com and I think pre-order that already, but it's going to be coming out soon and I'm so excited about that. Now before we jump in today, I want to greet those that are with us online. Thank you for taking a few minutes to worship with us today. Um, we've got people right now in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, New York, and Minnesota. So you guys give it up for our online campus. Welcome them. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we are in the midst of an amazing series called You Asked For It. Everybody say, You Asked For It. So if I make you mad today, you asked for it. It's kind of your fault, right? So what we're doing is we're covering the hot topics. We're, talk, we're talking about hot, controversial topics. We're also talking about frequently asked questions that we get as a church from people. Some of you have sent questions into our pastors, and so we're trying to really take this head on and talk about some of the tough and interesting questions from a biblical point of view. And so today is no different. I've got a great topic for you today, and we're going to talk about are angels and demons real? Are angels and demons real? I had a coworker years ago, and uh, this gentleman, he was in the midst of uh, having some marital issues, and he didn't know the Lord. And, and if you would have asked him if he was a Christian, he would have told you, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the Lord. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. But as I began to talk to him, we found out that um, in this hurt he was going through, it kind of opened a door to witness and, and share God with him. 
and uh, he did not know the Lord. He didn't know anything about the Bible. And we began to talk about this stuff all the time. And he was so hungry for the things of God. I mean, he was asking me question after question after question. And I'll never forget this one day when we stumbled upon the topic of Satan. And I mentioned something about the devil, and his eyes got this big. And he went, wait, 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 stop. That's real? I mean, it freaked him out to know that the devil was a real thing. He thought, I guess, it was, you know, the little guy with the horns and the pitchfork, you know, that it was an allegory. And I said, yes, the devil's real. I said, what kind of church are you going to? And he said, well, my pastor doesn't like read out of the Bible or anything. I said, well, then what does he do? And he says, well, he tells a poem. He talks about being a good person. I went, man, that's not a church. And just the thought of demonic forces or the devil being real scared this guy out of his mind. He was like, this is nuts. He had never heard of such a thing. And so we're going to talk about this today. And I want to start off in the book of Luke. We're going to read chapter 11, verses 14 through 22. And this is an amazing story and an amazing passage of Scripture. It gets me fired up. And so we're going to dive into it today. And starting in verse 14... It says, one day Jesus cast out a demon. So they're real. So we can go home now. Sermon resolved. Um, so it says, from a man who couldn't speak, and when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. But, when, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus. They always tried to test Jesus. Isn't that hilarious? You're not going to trip him up. I don't know why they didn't figure this out, but they're always trying to trip up Jesus. It says, so trying to test him demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Well, he just cast a demon out of somebody, just saying. But verse 17 he knew their thoughts. That's why they couldn't trip him up. He cheated. He knew what they were going to say before they said it, and so they didn't have a chance. It says he knew their thoughts, and so he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say, I am empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? Because you see, the Jewish priests, they had their own sect that would go around and try to do these rituals and, and cast demons out. I don't think they were very successful at it, hence the amazement when Jesus was successful. But they tried to cast out demons as well. So he says, hey, what about your guys? What about your... They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. Verse 20, now this is where it gets good. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Jesus is signaling to us. He's telling the, the, the Jewish people. He's telling the religious people. He's telling the scribes, the Pharisees. He's saying, hey guys, something new has happened. The fact that I have power over these demons, but if I'm casting out demons by the very power of God, then the kingdom of God, it's not far off. It's not coming one day. It's not this thing you've got to read about that might happen. It is here now. The kingdom of God has arrived among you. 
Verse 21, For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Now, I want to bring some, pull some principles, some truth out of this passage today. And the place that I have to start is, number one, that demons are real, but Jesus is stronger. Demons are real, but Jesus is stronger. You see, the gospel is more than just Jesus died for your sins. The gospel is more than he came and he paid a price so that you can be forgiven. The gospel is more than Jesus died on the cross, he rose again so that you and I can go to heaven. No, the gospel also entails the fact that Jesus came to conquer the spiritual darkness of this world. Jesus came in order to set up a new kingdom. He says the kingdom of God is here, guys. Something has changed in the atmosphere. I have come and I'm going to change everything. It's not going to be like it used to be because I am here now. Jesus tells us here that his absolute authority and power over the demons, over the powers of darkness, demonstrates the fact that the kingdom of God is here now. Now when you read verses 21 and 22, Jesus tells us about a strong man. Now I've read this scripture many times. I don't know I've ever heard anyone preach on it. I begin to study this and I ask God, God, what are you talking about here? And Jesus begins to tell us about this strong man. And the strong man in this scripture is Satan or demonic powers. Jesus is telling us, hey, this guy was just mute. He couldn't speak. He was being possessed, controlled, dominated by a demonic power, by a demon. And Jesus tells us here that there is a strong man who when fully armed and in position to guard his palace, can safely defend his possessions. And so, if Satan or if demons are the strong man, what is the strong man's palace? What is this palace that Satan wants to defend? It's you and it's me. You see, Satan, just like God, he's not interested in your bank account, what kind of car you drive, and your home, and your career. No, he wants your soul. And so the palace here that Jesus is talking about is people. And what you need to understand today is that Satan or demonic powers will defend their palace. Jesus is saying, look, when the gospel or the kingdom comes and there's demonic activity in place, the enemy has his clutches in someone's life, there's going to be a fight. Just because you preach the gospel to somebody doesn't mean they're just going to, Satan's going to go, oh, okay, well, just have them. Just, just go on and, and, and evangelize them and let them, you know, become a Christian. Sometimes we come to church and it seems so easy because we get up here and we preach the gospel and someone is in a, a seat in the back and they stand up and they raise their hand and they say, man, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And man, it looks so easy, doesn't it? Because I've just said a few words, I've read some scripture and now they want to raise their hand and they want to say, man, sign me up. I want to be a believer. I want to be a Christian. But what you didn't see is the war in the spirit that got them here. 
What you didn't see was the battle behind in this invisible world that is so real. It looks easy, but it's not because Satan is going to defend his possessions. He wants to defend his palace. And that's me and you. That's me and you. Satan's going to put up a fight. I remember one time I was on a missions trip in Nicaragua. And we were going on the beach and we were going to set up a site. We were going to do dramas and we'd, we'd gather a big crowd. We had equipment. We were going to preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this woman comes flying out. I mean, just, I mean, we had no idea where she came from. Hair just all in her, I mean, just crazed eyes. And she's got, a, if I remember correctly, it was a butcher knife in her hand. And she attacks one of our pastors. Well, it, four or five guys just immediately, they see her and they grab her and they, they put her on the ground. They take, they take the weapon out of her. This pastor being experienced knows right off the bat, hey, this is demonic. This lady isn't just having a mental breakdown. This, this is demonic. We knew it was demonic because, number one, her strength was superhuman. You had five guys holding her, and she was literally lifting them up off the ground. It'll wake you up real quick. We're going to sign up for mission trips right after service, so raise your hand if you want to go. That's probably not the best advertisement. But this pastor begins to cast the demon out of her, and he says, in the name of Jesus. And when he would say Jesus, I mean, her body would lift off the ground. And our missions pastor, missions director, Miss Karen, she had been uh, attacked. She had been fighting oppression from the enemy. Now, I want to stop for just a second. I want to explain something. I want to take like two minutes. But if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon. Okay, there is no instance in Scripture where a Christian or a believer is possessed because here's the thing, darkness ain't a thing, it's just the absence of light. And if you're a believer, the light lives in you, the darkness can't be in there. Okay? So just know, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, Satan can't control, he can't dominate, he can't possess you, but he can oppress you, he can attack you, and sometimes that comes in the form of physical attack, sickness, things like that. And so our missions director, she had been attacked by the enemy physically. She had been struggling with sickness, and it had been a real struggle. And so as, as this demonic thing is manifesting right here in front of us, I turn back and look at her, and all of a sudden her face is gone pale as a ghost, and she's going, is she couldn't breathe. The demonic powers that were in manifestation there, man, all of a sudden, it, the, that attack intensified. Why? Because the devil doesn't want to give up his palace. And so me and my friend, we grabbed her and we took her up this hill where I remember there was a school bus and we got her beside the school bus and immediately, once we got her, I don't know, 50, 60 feet away, she started to breathe. Let me tell you something, demons are real. And Satan will fight for his possessions. Let's see what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is verse 3. It says, And even if our gospel, the good news, is veiled, it's hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, another name for Satan or demons, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so he will fight to protect his palace because he wants to keep his possessions. And what are his possessions? The devil views our own bodies and minds as belonging to him. You see, Satan will use a man or woman's own words to bring destruction in their family. Isn't it funny, funny how so many times the enemy wants to use 
us, the things we view as our own, to defeat and to attack us. He wants to use your words. He wants to use your mind. He will use a man or woman's mind to bring confusion and depression in their life. Because the enemy wants to take the things that you think are yours and he wants to turn them against you. But here's the good news. Jesus is so much stronger. Jesus is so much stronger. Verse 22 says, until, everybody say until. Jesus says, hey, the strong man's in the palace. He's ready. He's safe. He's armed until, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Let me tell you something. Jesus ain't just this nice little teddy bear Jesus. We get this image of Jesus like his hair is billowing in the wind and Jesus just loves the little children. Let me tell you something. Jesus, when it comes to your soul, Jesus is a warrior king. Jesus came with a sword of fire. Jesus came to set you free and he came to let the enemy know you will be defeated because I am stronger than you. When it comes to Jesus and the devil, there is no contest. He cannot stand against the power of Jesus. And I love all the stories in the scripture where Jesus casts out demons because he doesn't get in a long, drawn-out conversation with demons. One time these demons start freaking out because Jesus shows up and they're like, please, please, have you come to torment us? Just send us into these pigs. And the whole conversation goes like this. Jesus says, one word, go. Immediately the demons have to flee. When demons would manifest in Jesus' presence, he wouldn't start to negotiate with them. He'd say, ah, quiet. Come out of him. And immediately the devil would have to flee. Why? Because Jesus is the stronger man. There is a strong man, but we serve a stronger man. Jesus has shown up, and listen, he's come to serve notice there's a new sheriff in town. Satan, you're not in control anymore. You're not going to possess my people anymore. You're not going to keep my people in bondage anymore because the stronger one has come. And I haven't come to talk. I haven't come to negotiate. I've come to fight. I've come to attack. That's what Jesus came to do. And so what did Satan use to imprison us? If you'll get a revelation of this today, I'm telling you, you'll walk out of here in a freedom you've never had before. What did Satan use to imprison us? This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, you were dead. You were dead. Why were we dead? Because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature has not yet been cut away. Paul is talking here about the, the practice the Jewish people had of circumcision. And circumcision stood as a symbol of their covenant with God. That they were God's people, that they were in covenant with God. And so they would do this. But what Paul was telling us here is like, guys, guys, circumcision, it had its time. But it's a symbol. It's a shadow of what was to come when God, when Jesus is going to actually cut away the sin nature out of our hearts. And so listen. This was the chain that Satan used to bind us. These were the weapons that the enemy wanted to use to imprison us. And he says, so then God made you alive in Christ. For he forgave all our sins. So when Satan comes and he says, yeah, but you just, uh -uh uh-uh-uh, all Satan. He forgave them all. He forgave them all. He forgave them all. 
Satan can't use my sins against me anymore because Jesus forgave them all. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took our sins and he went and he hammered them up to the cross and he said, there for all the world to see, I've paid for it. It is done. And this is where it gets great. Man, verse 15, it says, in this way, in this way, by nailing your sin, by cutting away that sinful nature that's inside of you, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He has set you free forever because he's taken the very chains that Satan would use to bind you and he's destroyed them. Satan doesn't have any chains to bind you with anymore. He doesn't have a weapon to attack you with anymore. This isn't the teddy bear Jesus. This is the warrior king that we serve. In Revelation, John says, His hair is white as snow. His eyes are flame of fire. His feet burnish bronze, And his voice is like the roaring of many waters. That's the Jesus that we serve. He has come to defeat Satan in your life. He's come to give you freedom. Man, we can walk out of here today in freedom. But because we've been set free and when we get a revelation that we are free, it doesn't mean that the battle's over. Because we know that Satan will still try to influence. He'll still try to sneak in a back door. He knows he's been disarmed. Jesus took him in front of all the demons. It said he stripped him. He stripped him naked. He took all of his authority. He said, give me the keys. Give them to me. Give me the keys. Is this your leader? Is this him? He embarrassed Satan in front of all of hell. He has no more power, but yet, that sneaky rascal, he will try to get into our life. He will try to get into your life. He will try to deceive. He will try to destroy. And listen, he only has the power that we give him. We, we're not in bondage anymore. Now we have a choice. But let's see, I'm going to read you this passage in Matthew. And this is, this is talking about Peter. And I love Peter because Peter makes me feel better about myself. Man, Peter's crazy. One minute Peter is walking on the water. The next minute he's cussing somebody out, taking his sword and chopping their ear off. I mean, when I read about Peter, I go, maybe I'm not so bad. You know, Peter, Peter makes me feel better about myself. But this is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. And it says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, God love Pete, took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Now, can we have a moment of silence for Peter? You don't reprimand Jesus? Come on. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know you don't reprimand the master. I mean, he's seen Jesus walk on water, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, open blind eyes, open deaf ears. He's seen Jesus raise the dead, and yet he's going to pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, I, I don't see it going this way. I think you're a little mixed up, Jesus. Got to love Peter. Verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. See what I mean about Jesus not always being so nice? It's harsh, isn't it? 
I mean, Peter's his disciple. Peter loves Jesus, right? This is coming out of a heart of love. And Peter turns to him and he says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Why? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. The second principle we need to learn from this passage is that spiritual forces can work through anyone. Spiritual forces can work through anyone. Is Satan using you right now in the lives of people around you? Man, that's extreme, isn't it? Because when we hear that as believers, immediately we go, Whoa, what? Satan using me? I mean, I might not do everything perfect, but Satan's not using me. I'm not used by the... I mean, come on. That's, that's, a little, that's a little extreme to say Satan is using me. But let's compare ourselves to Peter here. Because Peter was a disciple, right? He's walking with God. And let's see how this works out. So Matthew chapter 16, we were just reading verse 21, 22. So let's go back to verse 13. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Everybody's quiet, except for Peter. Peter goes, oh, 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 I got it, I got it, I know this one. I know this one. He jumps out of his chair, and he's like, Jesus, I know the answer to this one. You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus praises Peter. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter had just been praised for receiving revelation from God. Jesus, in front of all the disciples, is saying, Peter, you got it, man. You're the, you, got, you received this straight from my father. And five minutes later, he's saying, Peter, get behind me, Satan. I can just imagine Jesus sitting there going, you had it, Pete. I, I mean, five minutes ago, man, you had it. You were so close. Because sometimes we come to church, we, we hear from God, man, we're worshiping God, we're praising God, we get hands, we're praying, we, we've received something new, this revelation, we're fired up, and then we get to our car, we come out of the parking lot, Somebody cuts us off. And all of a sudden, the devil's back. All of a sudden, listen, I used to work in the parking lot myself. This guy in a Mercedes one time, we, this was years ago, I told him he had to go this way, not that way. He looked at me and went, uh-uh. Stepped on the gas, and I'm telling you God's truth. If I didn't jump back, he'd have hit me. He was going to run me down in the church parking lot. That's where we go as people. One minute we're hearing from God, and the next minute Satan is jumping in there. And so what does this demonic activity look like? Here's the problem a lot of times in the church, is that we view it because we're Americans, and we've seen all these movies like the Amityville Horror and the Exorcist. And so we, when I say, is Satan using you, you think, well, my head's not spinning around. I'm not, 
you know, levitating up on the wall. Satan's not using me. But let's see how Jesus describes Satan speaking through us. Verse 23 again. Peter turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Why? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. You aren't running around with a butcher knife trying to kill everybody. No, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. You see, Satan has the most influence in our life when we allow him to shape the way we think. He wants to get in, because listen, he knows that Jesus is the stronger man. So the moment you step into the light, the moment you're speaking God's word, there's power he can't do anything with. And so what does he want to do? He wants to influence your thoughts. He wants to influence your words. And he wants to keep you away from all that power because he knows he can't win that fight. And so Satan wants to shape the way we think. And this is the problem in the church world is we view the problem with society is out there. All them sinning heathen dogs would just get their act right and quit messing up the country, I tell you, everything would be great. No, listen, they're not the problem. The world's not the problem. We're the problem. We're the problem. Because too often we allow Satan to speak through us. And if Satan is using our words, who is speaking God's word? See, if Satan can control the way you think, if Satan can get in your mind, if Satan can convince you to bring division, to speak doubt and unbelief. How many times have we spoken words of discouragement, doubt into the life of someone else and we didn't even realize we were doing it? And so many times we have to be aware how Satan will sneak in because he doesn't have power over us anymore. But he's crafty and he'll use us against us. And so how do we appropriate this freedom that Jesus has gotten for us? We heard that Jesus is the stronger man. We've heard that we can walk in freedom. How do we do this? Last thought for today is we fight, but we fight from victory, not for victory. See, the victory's already been won. We don't have to go out and defeat Satan. We just have to stand. So let's listen to Peter again now. Peter's figured it out now. Peter's an apostle. Peter is leading the church Man, Peter has got it figured out, and he's writing to us here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is, getting through this, is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, listen, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. I want to end today with a couple practical tips. Satan is going to attack you. He's going to attack you probably today. You've been in the house of God. And let me tell you something. When you come to the house of God, when you listen to the word of God, the demons start talking and they go, hey, we better watch out for these people. We need to get on the aggressive because they've been in the house of God. They're going to get something. They're going to come out here and try to cause trouble again. 
So we better get after them. And so Satan typically, or demonic forces, they're going to attack you in one of three ways. Number one is he will attack your identity. Satan will try to attack your identity. I read a story the other day about Jackie Kennedy. She passed away, but in 1996, there was an auction of her estate, and the prices that people were willing to pay far exceeded what any of the auction houses thought was possible. She had a rocking chair that sold for 200 times what was estimated. She had a faux pearl necklace. That's fake, (laughs) y'all. Faux is a nice way of saying fake. So she had a fake pearl necklace once tugged on by the toddler JFK Jr. in a now famous photograph that had an estimated value of $500 to $700. It sold for $211,500. $211,000. A textbook of French verb conjugations brought in $42,000. And I just want to put this out here. I know a little Spanish. I've got a Spanish verb conjugation book. I will give anyone here half price on after the service if we can use that pricing model. Praise God. Um, And she had a humidor that sold for $500,000. Listen, possessions take on more value based on the greatness of their owner. Satan is going to come at you and he's going to challenge your identity. And your job is to remind him whose you are. Listen, God put a price tag on me. His name was Jesus. And so, Satan, you can attack me all you want. You can tell me I'm nothing. You can tell me I'm small. You can tell me I'm insignificant. But to God, I must matter. Because he was willing to pay everything for me. Verse 9 says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And this is so helpful because Peter tells us, remember your family of believers all around the world. Going through the same suffering you are, that very person that Satan will have you compare yourself to, They're struggling with insecurity too. They're sitting there thinking their identity is weak. They're not worth anything. And they're the person you're trying to compare yourself to. And Peter's saying, we're in this together. We get strength together when we understand our identity is in him. Our identity is in him. The second thing Satan will attack is your testimony. He will attack your testimony and he will tempt you to sin so that he can rob you of opportunities to share your faith. He wants us so focused on ourselves that we can't be used by God to reach anyone else. He wants to rob you of your story. He wants to rob you of your testimony. And he wants you so focused on you, you're no use to the kingdom of God. The third and final thing he will attack is our unity. Satan will try to attack our unity. Pastor Troy has has told this story or this illustration before, but when you go on safari, they tell you one thing. You've got lions, you've got all these, you know, predators out there. And they tell you one thing, stay in the truck. Because the moment you see that lion or you hear it roar and you get scared and you jump out the truck and you start to run, you're done. (laughs) That lion is going to be picking his teeth. And the scripture just told us that Satan is like a roaring lion. The easiest way for Satan to pick you off is for you to get out of the truck. When we get offended, 
When we allow Satan to influence our thoughts and drive us out of the house of God, listen, we're an easy target. But when we're together, listen, Jesus says we're two or three together. There I am in the midst of them. Listen, Satan doesn't want us together because when we're together, the stronger man is here. And he can't take us out because he feels, he senses the power of the living God. Man, we have to stay together. So I want you to be encouraged today. Verse 10 reminds us of the good news that we don't fight for victory. Guys, we fight from victory. It says in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory. Why? How? By means of Christ. Because of Jesus. Jesus already won the victory for you. All you have to do is receive it. And walk in that freedom. Amen. Amen. Would you stand on your feet with me this morning? I've talked a lot about demons today because that's what I felt the Lord wanted me to do. But I want to end this talking to you just a little bit about angels. Because they're just as real. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. The reason I want you to do that because I want to ask you to picture this story. I'm going to tell you this story real quickly, and I want you to picture this in your mind. I want you to get an image of this. This story took place in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, and it's about Elisha the prophet. The Bible tells us that he was surrounded by an army from the king of Aram. The king wanted to kill him. He wanted to silence God's mouthpiece. He wanted to kill the prophet. And so he had his army encamped all around. So see this little village out in a, a desert type place and there's chariots and soldiers all around. His servant, Elisha's servant, got up early in the morning, went outside and he freaked out. He saw this army that was all around them. And sometimes when we see what's going on in the world, sometimes when we see demonic, just just evil around us. Sometimes we freak out. We get afraid. He came back in and he told Elisha, oh sir what will we do now? Elisha, full of faith he tells the young man don't be afraid for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed the simplest prayer you've ever heard. He said, oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Bible says the Lord opened the young servant's eyes. And when he looked out, now picture this in your mind. He goes outside, he looks up, and now he sees chariots of fire all around him. God had sent his angels. And I want to tell you today, For every demon Satan has to torment you, to tempt you, to attack you, God has two angels ready to serve you and support you. Man, we're on the winning side. So I want to give you an opportunity today. If you've never, if you've never made allegiance to the stronger man, to Jesus, man, you can do it right now. If you're joining with, with us online, There's a button in the chat bar you can click if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord right now. I want to ask you if you're in this room, if that's you, 
And you'd say, man, I want to live in freedom. I want the stronger man. I want this Jesus that came to fight for me. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand right now? We're going to say a simple prayer for Jesus to be your Lord. And I want us all to pray this together. Church, let's pray. And if you're online, join with us right now. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending the stronger man. Jesus has set me free. I receive that right now. Jesus died for me and he rose again and he's alive and he is stronger. Thank you that every weapon, every chain that Satan would use has been destroyed. I receive that life I receive that freedom by faith right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we wanna hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.